0: Hey guys, and welcome to Parent Q Live. My name is Carlos Whitaker, your host this week on Parent Q Live. Listen, this week, I'm just going to be honest with you. One of my absolute favorite worship leaders on the planet is our guest this week, the one and only Christy Knuckles. Christy has been a worship leader, um, I mean, way back in the day when I was in college and she was living in Oklahoma, I think, I know that her and Kristen get into conversation about that. But also, a lot of you guys are going to know her just from her days leading worship with the Passion Movement. Uh, now she's living in Franklin, Tennessee, and her husband is still producing, and she's still writing music. And it's just an unbelievable conversation that you guys are going to get to hop into. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to let you guys know, some of you guys that may be new, what in the world is is Parent Q Live. Like, why would you want to listen to this? Why are we calling it Parent Q Live? Let me just from Jump Street let you guys know. Parent Q Live is a podcast where we're just trying to do something simple. And that is to help you do family better. And the way we do that is we give you simple ways to prioritize your time every single week. That is what we're going to do. We're going to give you guys cues. Now, listen to this. Parents you get 936 weeks with your kids before graduation. Now, some of you guys, you may feel like, oh my gosh, it's so many weeks, but I know a lot of you guys are now looking at that is halfway over, and you're like, uh, what do we gotta do to make these weeks count? Well, what we're here to do is to give you guys cues on exactly how to do that. So, um, on the podcast today, We've got Kristen Ivy, and Kristen is the director of our phase research project here at Orange. She also does a slew of other things, but she sometimes she co-hosts the podcast with me. Today, she's actually interviewing uh, Christy Knuckles. But Kristen is a mother, and she's got three tinier children. When I say tinier, I'm not just talking about because they're petite, which they are, uh, but I'm talking about they're just on the earlier spectrum of ages. As far as my kids, mine, I've got almost at 16. Oh, Lord have mercy. A 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an 11-year-old in my home. I can say 13 for another few weeks, and then she's going to turn 14. Oh, all the tears. Um, And uh, so I'm I'm leaning more towards the upper end of the spectrum when it comes to parenting and where our kids are in our home. So That's kind of where we sit. So we are no way, shape or form parenting experts, but what we are, are parents. And so we just love to have these conversations that hopefully will engage you guys and allow you guys to do family a little bit better. So as I was doing a little bit earlier, Christy Knuckles, she's a singer, she's a songwriter, she's a worship leader, she's been the voice for many of us uh, when it comes to that that worship leading voice that we remember. So what I'm going to do right now is just let Kristen Ivey, my co-host who's just interviewing today, take you guys into a really rich, rich conversation with Christy Knuckles. Here we go.
1: Christy, it's so good to be talking with you today. Our listeners probably know you um, from your music career, and um, early on, you and your husband were part of Watermark Group, and you've done so many incredible songs. Um, I would just love to hear a little bit from you about where music started for you and when you got, when you knew that this was going to be part of your career. Well, I was
2: raised in Oklahoma as a preacher's kid. I'm um the youngest of three and I'm the only girl. And I think looking back now, you know, as a as I've reflected on um how I was raised, it had such a crucial part obviously of um God stirring up songwriting in me and really I think I've even been able to kind of fine tune that like to really my love for really the word of God put to melody. And I think that happened actually when I was really young and I love that. And I think it had so much to do with my parents and my parents were both actual um, worship leaders before uh, my dad was a teaching pastor. So I was also raised, I think, you know, in a worship pastor's home. And so I think that music was a huge part of our lives. Even when we cleaned the house, my dad would put on, um, you know, Christian music or I remember back then it was like Amy Grant or Sandy Patty or the Imperials (laughs) and we would clean the house you know to music to worship music and so it was always a part of my life and then I think just learning about the word of God from from them um, just made this love for it in my heart and then you know connecting that as a teenager when I started writing music really kind of started writing, um, when I was about nine or 10, but then that just really started to develop on into when I met Nathan, which I was 19 when I met my husband, but I, it really came alive. I think when I, when I met Nathan in a new way, because I could play the piano enough to songwrite, or I could play the guitar just enough to get by. But when I met Nathan, I remember telling my parents, and this sounds cheesy, but like I really meant it when I said it. And I remember really saying out loud to them, he can hear the melodies that mm. are in my head That's and he great. can play them, you know, on yeah. an instrument. And that was like, oh, it was just, everything came alive in a new way when we met each other. And I think I kind of had the lyrics that he, you know, couldn't put words around the melodies that he was playing. And so it was like this marriage really of, um, music too, that came together. And so we married at the ripe old age of 21 <laughs> and just, just so much of the early songwriting days were just, you know, it was kind of us under a rock, you know, like in our little apartment, um, learning to do life together as I was learning how to boil noodles and like <laughs> make things and <laughs> be a wife. And, um, we just had this sweet journey of that sort of being this quiet cultivation of this gift, you know, that God had started when we were both really young.
1: Yeah, that's that's incredible. And what a beautiful story and a beautiful beginning to how um, you were making music together. I wanted to talk also just a little bit about what that looked like when you first became a mom. I mean, how yeah. did your your life, your mission, your ministry, it seems like you guys were part of a church plant. You'd already been at Passion Conference and played for mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of college students. Mm-hmm. And then you had this kind of career that was taking hold. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you became a mom. And how did those two things begin to mesh? You know, when... Motherhood
2: first came upon me. um, I was super grateful because um, we had lost two babies when we first started trying to have children, and so a year and a half straight, maybe closer to two years, uh, we basically dealt with loss. And and so when I became pregnant with Noah, our first, of course, there was just this um, gratitude and. Um, a place also, I think of surrender. I remember likening it to Hannah's prayer, um, mm-hmm. and, and for Samuel and, and just, um, really identifying with by the time I time became pregnant with Noah, just, um, that, okay, Lord, you can have him like, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm so grateful to get to have a baby. Yeah, but, you mm-hmm. know, when, um, you know, when they, when Noah arrived and, you know, we were still, basically um traveling a ton and getting on a bus and we would Mm -hmm. you know pack up all the baby gear and Noah would go on the bus with us and we would be um barreling down the highway in a bus and he's up in a pack and play in the back back there watching him literally catch air um as we're (laughs) going down the highway um it just as you can imagine um it, it it's a lot, you know, to, to travel with a baby. And, um, I see friends like, you know, Carrie Job doing it now. And I just look back on that time and just, I know how to pray for young moms at this point, especially when they are on the road, because it's a lot, it's a lot to take on. And I think even at home, our home life, when we were there and I would try to get into a rhythm and we would come off the road, I quickly began to see that, um, my heart was basically just not postured in a way that um, I was able to really um, on motherhood in a way that the Lord wanted me to. And so I really kind of fought it. I've I've fought it pretty hard and kept trying to compartmentalize my life and I kept trying to manage it. Um, But really what the Lord brought me to was this place um, at my farm table one morning where I basically was exhausted to the point where um, we'd actually made the decision to come off the road. Um, By this time, Noah was going to start kindergarten. So in a five-year span, you know, we made it work. We also had a toddler um, within that span. You know, he's getting ready to start kindergarten. Ellie at that time was a toddler. And um, it was a lot for me to try to end. And and so I came to this point where I think the Lord was just like, this isn't about you trying to complain mentalize this. This is about your heart. And the Lord just began this work in me of learning to be present and learning to be still, and also being willing to basically kind of have that Abraham and Isaac moment of laying something down. And at that point, it was my career and like trusting God with the platform that he had given me. And literally He asked me to lay it down for motherhood. Mm. At least I didn't know at that time that it was just for a season, but, you know, obviously hindsight, I can see that. But the Lord was asking me in that moment, like, are you willing to trust me with this to just being able to like see God's faithfulness in that? And I watched him. Um, reorient my, I don't even know if that's a word. (laughs) He reordered my steps. He reordered my priorities. He reordered uh, really my heart. And I started just, I remember it was this bullseye thing. It was like, hit the bullseye. It's just the bullseye for you every day is um, your relationship with me. This is the Lord kind of talking to my heart. You know, you hit the bullseye with me, you hit the bullseye with Nathan, you hit the bullseye with these kids. Well, wow. watch me take care of this outer ring.
1: You know, I have three kids of my own, and there's so much of this struggle that you talk about that resonates with me personally. And I was reading through something that you wrote, and you have some words here that are just so real and so powerful. I, I wanted to share just a few of them. Um, one of the things you said, you talked about your fear. Um, And how you had to wrestle with fear in the early years of your parenting and you say it was fear that you might not ever have a singing platform again Fear that your purpose would be reduced to this hidden place of mundane and menial tasks And I just think in my own life when I talk to moms in particular This is such a great tension Um, Just the pull to be everything for our children that we love dearly and yet also figure out how to surrender and not lose ourselves in the process Um, What would you say to a new mom or really any mom who's just trying to manage that tension?
2: You know, I guess I just, I think about, you know, when, when Jesus came, he, he set up this different order, right? And it's so alarming when you like read the gospels and you see the things that he would just walk up and say to people in it. And then we get this sense, you know, that the, the, the gospel is upside down from everything we know from what we see in the world. And I think it's the same with with motherhood that we think these mundane and menial tasks are kind of the stuff you just have to dredge through to get to the real ministry or the Mm -hmm. real glorious things. But what I've found is really the glorious is almost more inside of those mundane menial tasks. If we really are brave enough to see it and if we kind of let the fears go enough and trust Jesus with the fears of am I ever going to get out of this season am I going to have my career back or am I ever going to get back to school or am I ever going to do these things so it's not it's not getting past those moments it's not pushing through them it's actually in those moments that Jesus wants to do a a real work and just as Jesus often like walked up to people and, you know, started a conversation and they would say something and he would, um, ask a question back almost as his answer is that's what it becomes in those mundane menial task type moments. Maybe you're in front of the kitchen sink or you're changing a diaper or you're getting your few minutes of quiet during the nap, you know, that you're just like holding on to for dear life, yeah. <laughs> but it becomes this, this relationship and it, there's these questions that um, Jesus begins to ask in those times. um, And those those moments of motherhood actually can become quite glorious, I've found. And actually they become the stuff of real life. They become actually the real ministry moments. Um, And if it's all upside down, like, like the kingdom of God is, um hmm. the mundane menial tasks are actually where it 's at, wow, and i 'm finding that those are the moments that he wants that actually he himself, not us, but like him, he wants to actually kind of elevate those moments to where it's like oh i 'm getting the most from Jesus out of these times, <laughs> cleaning the sippy cups and yep. like doing all of these like tasks, but really you 're having this kind of pray without ceasing um, life, life with Jesus in the moments, and always look glorious. And it's not like you're always singing a song of praise. I mean, you know, there's the moments where we break down, obviously, but you'll get to see how God will shape your heart in these motherhood moments in a way that like in years to come, you'll still be pouring that out on other people. And it's the stuff that penetrates
1: the heart. That's amazing. I love um, I love the way that you talk about that paradox of glorious and mundane. And I know you actually have a podcast on that topic about finding things. Um, finding glory sounds like such a big word that um, it's easy to attach that. I think in my own head to something that seems huge and that seems meaningful and that seems powerful and um, and yet. Really, we do find it in those tasks, like you said, like cleaning the sippy cups. I'm thinking about you know my days of changing diapers and carrying the dirty diapers to the trash, and yeah. spit up all over me, and I haven't slept, and it doesn't feel like that's this big glorious thing. So um, there's it's a it's a tough um, time to really begin to embrace that um, in our parenting. So I loved when you were talking about um, early on in your marriage and your music was so important to you as a family um, you obviously kind of just I mean music was who you were I think um, and so what did it look like when you were parenting you know babies and preschoolers to take music not just as something you did in the church or creating these you know chart topping albums but to use music in your home with your babies with your preschoolers with your toddlers
2: it's so neat to, to look look back on just um, the early years of like seeing our kids respond to music. And um, we, we were always just playing music around the house, not on record, but actually like have the guitar out and mm-hmm. sitting at the piano and the kids crawling around and Nathan would just play, you know, and it sets a tone yes, audibly, but also spiritually, I think, when we're able to either play music, worship music, and have that going, and for us, it was, we could get the instruments out, and we could um, sing, and, 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 you know, what I found, too, is that songwriting we didn't have the luxury anymore of always just being able to afford, of, you know, a full-time nanny, or someone just to kind of whisk the kids away, Um, we just, we wrote songs in the playroom, while the kids, (laughs) playing and and that was how we could get things done but looking back on it you know it's so sweet that um you know the kids were playing you know while we were kind of cultivating these songs
1: so how old did you say the kids are right now Noah's
2: 17 Ellie's 14 and Rose is 10
1: goodness had such so. a fun fun time and now you've decided to release a CD of lullabies. Tell me just a little bit about that and what your purpose is for releasing this album. I mean, what are your hopes for it?
2: Well, you know, as I've described, motherhood early on was, you know, just it was a learning curve for me. And I remember singing songs over them at night for sure. And a couple of them are actually on this album that I just kind of made up, you know, when I was singing them to sleep at night. Um. But of course, you know, the the, the moment, just that life uh, for me then would not have um, been able to culminate into a lullaby album um, in the way that it can now. And that's what I love. And that's, that's what I think I mean about impartation, you know, is that um, I think now that our kids are at this age and we've been able to kind of look back on seasons and God's faithfulness in this, it's like the Lord just began to stir in me something kind of to, to sing over families and, and knowing how, um, how hard it can be to connect with each other and to get time together, how hard the bedtime routine can be, and, and really sometimes how hard, the, how hard nighttime can be when it's time for lay down and rest. Um, even as adults, um, there are countless stories right now of people who are dealing with anxiety and panic disorder at night and people not being able to sleep kids i've read blogs of moms who have special needs kids who Mm -hmm. literally cannot sleep and so my heart became heavy around this um, idea of just the people of god needing to rest and us needing to hear the song that god sings over us so that we can sing it over this world and sing a song of rest and and with our lives, and so it was stirring in me for a really long time. I knew it was something I always wanted to do, but I love how when a you know the early stirrings of something um, just go deeper and deeper. And so as God begins to like unfold this idea, it's called "Be Held Lullabies for the Beloved," and I called it that because we're all beloved. We are beloved God. And the whole premise around this record is. Yes, it's for children, it's for babies, but really the whole idea of it is it's for all of us. We never outgrow that need to, to be first to, to see ourselves as a child of God. We all need that moment of just saying, I'm a child of God and I, I'm, I basically need to have that moment every single day in my life to go, okay, God, I'm your child first before I'm parenting these children. Mm-hmm. And to be able to receive his love over your own life. And then out of that endless supply, you parent from that place. Mm -hmm. So it's not, God, give me more capacity to love my kids today. That's not really the prayer. The prayer is, Mm -hmm. God, help me receive your father, your otherly fatherly love over myself today. And then from that place may that spill on to my kids today so this whole idea of receiving the song over your life first and then singing it over the dearly loved people in your life so that's the whole premise of the record and so it makes this um available to all of us really to receive the song mm-hmm. and then to sing the song and so it's just flowing out of that and i'm so excited about it um I said this about my recent Christmas album, but I really do think um, now that this is finished and it's an offering um it's my favorite thing that we've ever done, and mm-hmm. I really feel like it's something that the Lord wants to use, and my hope for it is that it will put a song in the mouths of of the people of God and that they will be able to then the next morning I wake up and just sing that over someone that day and, and by that I just mean with your life. It could be the person at the checkout counter at the grocery store. It could be the bank teller. It could be whoever, your your son's girlfriend or, you know, whoever is you, you cross paths with, you begin to sing that over them as well with your life, you begin to live it out. And I'm so excited for how God's going to use it in just um, unseen ways, you know, that we'll never know about. And um, I trust him with that. I think it's just going to be really helpful for people.
1: Christy, I got a chance to preview the album. And I mean, (laughs) if I'm honest with you, I just got a little bit emotional listening to it um, earlier this morning. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was one of the songs that, that just really hit me. And I don't know if it's because I heard it a lot when I was growing up as a little girl, uh, but I heard it all over in a brand new way when I was listening to you. And I really think it was that thing you're talking about of just receiving this personally. And so when we wrap up um, our conversation, we're actually going to play a little bit of that music so that everyone who's listening can get a taste of this great work of art that you've put together um, that you've made available to us. And thank you so much for sharing your gift of music and um, your heart with us because these lyrics, Uh I think, really will do so much um, in the lives of all of us who are living in the mundane um, as we Mm -hmm. wake up and we just need to um, embrace these ideas or as we're going to lay down at night and um, filled with the restless thoughts in our heads just to kind of Mm -hmm. let your words um, and the words that God's given you sink into our hearts. Mm -hmm. For, (laughs) For a family who is less musical than you um my <laughs> <I, laughs> my family we don't we don't have quite the same gifting of music um but I love listening to you talk about how powerful music has been in your house. Um what would you say to the rest of us um about what, how we can fill our homes with music in a way that inspires and connects us as a family. Yeah,
2: um well, I think that, you know, the the digital age has honestly like, this sounds so like I'm in my forties, but (laughs) it's like, it's, it's a little bit bumming me out. I will have to say, um, as far as like, um, you know, gone are the days it seems where, you know, we used to sit down and listen to a record. You know what I mean? Like, I remember like when I was in high school, I would go buy a CD and I would like sit in my car and I would just like listen to every song and I would like read the liner notes and (laughs) read the lyrics kind of look at the artwork. Um, and I, I feel like we're going to have to be intentional as, as families, you know, to, um, have things that are like, um, you can touch them and, and feel them and like, you know, read them and something you can hold in your hand because the digital thing is, um, upon us and it's only going to get even more upon us. And I think, um, You know, just one fun thing that we did recently is we got a record player, and we have it near the kitchen where we can hear it being played in the kitchen, and the kids love going and putting a record on, and we sometimes, it just, I don't know what it is about just pulling it out of that sleeve and then putting it on, you have to put the little needle down (laughs) on the record and watch it, you know, connect, you have to be careful with it, and then, you, you know, it's kind of this old kind of analog sound. It kind of sounds like a little AM radio a little bit. And there's something about that that just makes us happy on the weekends to be able to, like, go over there and just, like, put on a record and listen to it. And we recently bought, like, the, the whole um, um, movie, like, Lady and the Tramp on a, a vinyl record. And sometimes put that on for fun and just, like, let this you know, it's, I know that's random, but just <laughs> random things like that, um, that are fun, you know, that are kind of like something you can touch and feel. Um, and I, I think too, just when, when you can, you know, it I know this sounds like, you know, me pressing people to buy records, but, um, when you can actually like listen to a record in its entirety, or you can look at that artwork and show your kids or like kind of go, um, you know, or what does this song mean to you? You know, if you're sitting, you know, if you're making dinner and you've got a worship song going or um, in the house, or um, maybe it's something you've heard them singing around the house, you can kind of play off of that and go like, what do you think that songwriter meant when, you know, he was writing that, you know, Ellie, our daughter plays her ukulele and one of the songs she learned was Oceans, or she learned 10,000 Reasons. And you know, maybe there's a song playing in the house. It's like, what do you think, you know, the, what do you think the songwriter was going through when she wrote Oceans? You know, and having that be like a dinner time discussion where you can kind of talk about like um, the themes of some of the songs that you're listening to as a family and um, or make a family playlist, you know, that you can have in your car that's literally titled Our Family Playlist. And have your kids um, be involved in the making of that. Or make a Spotify, you know, family playlist that's always in your car or in your home and you can kind of, you know, hear it in the house or the car. And have it be those songs like our, we have a summer one, you know, and the summer, the summer playlist it's just so fun every year when we get it out and we play it because we're like, Oh, I remember this, you know, Whitney Houston's star spangled banners on it. And (laughs) yeah, that, so, you know, 4th of July, it's like our playlist playing and it's this culmination of all these fun things. And then we have a fall one and a Christmas one. And it's just a way that you can kind of get your family involved and they can add songs they love to that. And then it will be like memories, you know, and you can associate those with, with different memories through the years. Those are some of the things that we do.
1: I love that. I want to go home right now and make a playlist. <laughs> you should. I really, I really should. It'd be very fun to see what the kids would put on it and what everyone would include. Yeah. So, yep. and um, thank you again for being here and for having this conversation and just, we're really excited about your new album and everything that is going to come with it as as families begin to play this music in their homes and um, can sing it to the first like you said over themselves first and then their children so yeah um, thank you so much and we'll look forward to talking to you again hopefully thank you thanks so much for having me there is a place far from this worried world where freedom awaits from that burden you've got locked inside Oh, how you tend to hide So won't you go there with me Down to the riverside Where the water runs free And you can let your heart swing open
2: wide Won't you swing it open wide Cause baby,
1: you are made To carry such a load Lay it down And we can watch you go down the river of pain Oh, the river of peace And all it takes is a little bit of faith And Jesus comes and carries it away Down the river of peace Oh, the river
0: of peace Such an intimate yet authentic conversation with Christy. Thank you, Kristen and Christy. For being authentic and vulnerable, I'm um, talk about vulnerability. Well, what I loved about that conversation is really where Christy starts to lean into finding your identity in Jesus as opposed to motherhood, slash fatherhood, or your job or your ministry. I know for me, so many times my identity can get sucked into I'm Carlos the fun dad, and you know when it comes to parenting, sometimes I can't be that fun dad, and so when my identity is based in that, guess what? I'm not an effective parent. And so we're not only talking about parenting here, we're talking about just your identity in Jesus, period. What a great and fascinating conversation. This is what we're going to do. I want to remind you guys of the cue. What was the cue from that conversation? The parent cue this week is this. Create space for music in your home with a family playlist, right? So it may not be on a record player like the Knuckles family does, but it may be a Spotify playlist in the car. So spark some conversation about what specific songs mean to you and your kids. And here's the question, right? What do you think that songwriter meant when they were writing that song? That is the simple cue. Listen, guys, we're gonna have a recap of this episode in the show notes including a chance to win a copy of Christie's new album at theparentq.org slash episode 45. As always, thank you guys so much for listening to Parent Q Live. If this podcast has helped you in any way, shape, or form, I would love for you guys to share it. Subscribe to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating, or review. We love those five-star reviews. Carlos Enrico with the and Chivo Cabello for Parent Q saying we will see you guys next time.